let's keep going. Key point number three. When others see the real you, will your concern for others surface or your selfishness surface? In the next chapter, the king finally sees behind the masks. And I say masks because two people are wearing them. Esther, who has not revealed her heritage, and Haman, who hasn't revealed how wicked and uh, his heart really is. Let's pick up verse 1. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. He knows He knows that it wasn't just a banquet, another banquet to follow that one. He knows she has something. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. So King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he? And who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified before the king and queen. Then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before the the queen Esther, pleading for his life. For he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. When the king returned from the palace garden to to the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch... Where Esther was, the king said, Will he also assault the queen while I'm in the house? As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Now, Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows, 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai. Who spoke good on the king's behalf? It's standing at the house of Haman. And the king said, hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. Have you ever heard the statement, your sin will find you out? I heard that growing up. I hear that every now and then. Your sin will find you out. And I had this idea that, the, that it was suggesting that, that people, eventually, it's, your sin would be exposed and everybody's going to know about it. In reality, the, that, that phrase, your sin will find you out, it comes from Numbers. It's actually a verse of Scripture, Numbers chapter 32. The context of Numbers suggests something more, and in fact, something entirely different than just your sins will be known by everybody. The statement does not say others will find you out or others will find out about your sin. It says your sin will find you out. Sin destroys. 
The nature of sin is such that whether or not others discover your sin doesn't matter. Your sin will discover you. Sin erodes. Sin destroys yourself. Sin that you have allowed in your heart will will eventually destroy you. Your sin will find you and even become destructive. You may think that wearing a mask around others is actually protecting you, but hear me, your sin will find you out. Galatians 6, 7 says it this way. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Your sin will find you out. To be clear, let let me just suggest this, that this is not the same as karma. Karma is a practice of Eastern religions. It's the idea of uh, you do good and then good things happen to you. You do bad and then bad things happen to you. And it's this idea of you get what you deserve. You do good things, good things happen. You do bad things, bad things happen to you. That's, that's the complete opposite of the gospel. It's the complete opposite of what the gospel teaches through grace. Grace is receiving something you didn't deserve. And I would much rather bank on getting grace than karma. Because the truth is, I know myself. I know my heart. And I recognize that grace is so much better than just do good, get good. Do evil, get evil. I read an article this week. I want to share an excerpt with you. It says, if the world knew the magnificence of God's grace, they would be holding out for it. Because I've got a feeling society doesn't need more karma but a whole lot more grace. If there were more grace, there would be less road rage. If there were more grace, there would be less divorce. If there were more grace, families would talk to each other. If there were more grace, there would be less racism. If there were more grace, there would be less violence. If there were more grace, there would be more kindness. Ultimately, the world needs the life-changing power of the gospel. Karma creates winners and losers. Grace creates winners. A win-win situation. Let's wrap up. Key point number four is this. When you experience the grace and mercy of salvation, may we not become content and lack compassion for those without it. Pick up chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king. The Esther had told how he was related to her. So the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet, and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman, the Agagite, and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seems right to the king that I am pleasing in his eyes. Let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman. 
the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? The king Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman. And they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews, as you please, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. So the king's scribes were called at, 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 at that time in the third month, which is the month of Savan, on the 23rd day. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, to the satraps, the governors, the princes of the provinces, from India all the way down to Ethiopia, 127 provinces in all, to every province in its own script, to every people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horseback, riding on royal horses bred with swift steeds. By these letters the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives, to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them, both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions. On one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province and published for all people so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers who rode on royal horses went out, hastened and pressed on by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Shushan the citadel. So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in the royal apparel, blue and white, with a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. And the Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. The many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. You know, chapter 8 reminds us of God's plan of protecting the Jewish people. We almost get so caught up into the narrative, right? The narrative of Esther and Mordecai and the demise of Haman that we can forget that there is still a decree out to annihilate 127 provinces, all of the Jews in those provinces. May we never become so content with our own salvation. Oh, my life was spared. That we just sit back and go, whew, good for us. That we forget that there are still those who need to hear the gospel. There are still those who are waiting 
to hear the gospel, the good news. As I mentioned before, the diaspora played a major role in the infrastructure of preparing for the spread of the gospel throughout the known world. But Satan is still trying his best to annihilate the Jewish people. He's doing it now. He did it with Hitler. He did it then with King, under, under King Ahasuerus. Listen, Satan did it when they were in Egypt. Satan did it when they were in Babylon. Satan is obsessed with nothing less than annihilation. And the reality is God has a plan for them. Satan knows that God has a plan, and part of that plan is for 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each tribe, to become evangelists in spreading the gospel during the last days. We need to pray for them. We need to pray. Pray for Israel. And we'll even do that in just a moment. But I want us to understand that we should never be so consent, content with our own, that we have been rescued, that we forget there are still other people that need to be rescued. But one last thought, and then we're going to pray together. Remember, there is no greater mediator than Jesus. Jesus.